0: We give God glory for what he's doing. God always gets the credit. He's the one who does the work. But we know from scripture, and we're seeing it in our lives, God chooses to do his work through faithful people. From Abraham and Moses and Noah, all the way to the New Testament, all the way to today, it's God who does the work, but he works through faithful people. And this weekend, I really want to take a moment to say a huge thank you to you as a church family. Uh, God is doing an incredible work, and he's doing it through you. Uh, Two years ago on this weekend, I stood up before you and unveiled a really bold vision. It was called Greater Things. It's something that the elders and I had prayed about, and it's a vision that would have fallen flat. If not for hundreds and thousands of you who have rallied around it through giving, through serving, through praying, and as a result of our collective work, we are seeing God do miracles. Today we're going to celebrate what God has been doing, and we're going to look ahead into the future of where we believe God's taking us. Now I know some of you are new within the last couple of years, some of you are new within the last couple months. And if that's the case for you, this is a great series, because you're going to hear our calling as a church. What makes Connection Point unique as a movement of God? And the first thing you should know, in fact, if you're in the building, this is a card that's on your seat, is our mission statement. This is kind of the foundation on which everything else rests. You know, when Jesus finished his earthly ministry, he said to his disciples in Matthew 28, go and make more disciples. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And then he said, Teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. So when we say the word discipleship, that's what we're talking about is recruiting new followers of Jesus and then teaching them how to follow Jesus. So our mission statement as a church is very simply, we exist to connect people to Jesus. Why? Because he's God. He's the solution to every problem in our lives, and he's the solution to the ultimate problem that our lives run out and we die eventually. He's the only way to eternal life, restoration with God, peace in this life. So that doesn't change. Our mission statement doesn't change. Second reason we've seen God at work these last two years is represented on this green card. And if you're watching online, by the way, you can text the word vision to us. We'll get these cards to you. This green card is really a foundational set of beliefs we have as a church. And it's this. In our church, Christ, Jesus, will always be the head of our church. Uh, The New Testament actually describes the church like a body. And it's kind of a weird metaphor, but it's this idea of like, you know, some of us are, are pinky fingers, and some of us are hearts, and some of us are livers, and all these different parts of the body that when we're working together in harmony, we're accomplishing spiritual things none of us could do alone. But the point of that whole body metaphor is that Jesus is the head of the body. He's the leader of our church, and on our watch, he always will be. His word is our guide. This is what decides right and wrong for us. This is what decides our vision. This is what decides everything we do and believe. And then, third, in our church, the Spirit of God is our power. So we do our best to plan and be strategic and be wise, but our hope is in the very Spirit of God living in every one of us as believers. That's what gives us the power to transform and to connect a broken world to the God that the world is so in need of. You know, I believe we've seen God work these last two years because of this principle that where God is in charge, life follows. Where God is invited to be in charge, there is power and there is freedom. I remember when I was working as a journalist in Arizona, uh, one time I was up in an airplane and uh, someone was flying me over the desert And the desert, as you can imagine, if you haven't seen it from an airplane out there, it's just brown because there's not water. It's just brown sand and brown rocks. But there was this ribbon of green flowing through the lifeless brown. And that's where there was a literal river of water. These trees were growing up on the banks. And it was just incredible to see that wherever the water went, life followed. And the same is true of God's work in your life. When you come to Jesus for salvation, it's a moment where you finally, in humility, surrender and you say, God, I need you to fix what's broken in me. Maybe you say, I need you for eternal life or I need you for freedom from sin. And his life flows in. And then the rest of your journey from now until you get to heaven is one day at a time giving God more and more territory in your heart. And the more territory you give him, the more life you'll experience. That's true as an individual, and it's also true as churches. There are churches where uh, God is no longer invited, and they start to kind of dry up. And so we as a church say we're a place where Jesus is always our leader. His word is our guide. His spirit is our power. Now, I want to ask you this question about your life. What would happen in your life if you would obey God with a bold faith? I mean, what about the areas of your life where you're like, yeah, okay, God, I want you over here. I kind of need your help here, uh, but over here, I'd like to do things my way. I mean, what if you made Jesus the master, the Lord, the ruler of every area of your life? Uh, what if we as a church were a movement of people who said, God, we have bold faith to trust you with everything we have and with everything we are? Well, to answer that question, I want to take you to the true story of Noah. You might be familiar with this story, Genesis chapter 6. Noah, at this point, is already a godly person. I mean, like so many of you, he's someone who knows the Lord. In fact, we're told he walked with the Lord. So Noah had already surrendered a lot of areas of his life to God. In fact, that's why God picks Noah. And God says, there's a flood coming. No human is going to survive this flood. But Noah, I have a plan for you and a purpose for you, so I want you to make yourself an ark. And God gives him specific plans with measurements and the type of wood and everything else, and those plans are detailed in the book of Genesis. And as Noah listens to this, he realizes, "This is a massive project. Uh, in fact, uh, we know that it would have taken at least 40 years for Noah to build this ark, probably longer. So it required bold faith because it wasn't raining, but God says it's going to rain, so start building a boat. It required bold faith, and Noah did everything just as God commanded him. In other words, he had a bold faith. Here's what that ark would have looked like because of the detailed descriptions given in the book of Genesis. We know the measurements down to inches, and we know the type of wood. It would have looked like this. Noah stepped out in a bold faith. And here's a little hypothetical question. I I like to kind of poke at the word of God to try to get the most meaning out of it. What if Noah hadn't obeyed God? Well, I, I don't know for sure, but I'm pretty sure we'd still meet him in heaven, right? He was walking with God. He was, you know, in the family of God. But if he hadn't built the ark, he would have drowned like everybody else. See, God had a provision for Noah in the storm that the world would go through, but to access that provision, Noah would have to demonstrate his faith with his time and his resources. And that's what he did, not just for the first tree that he cut down and started to fashion, but for year after year, for at least 40 years as he builds this ark. The point is this bold faith is like a key. If you think of a little padlock and you put the key in there and you turn it and it shoots open. Bold faith is the key that unlocks God's provision in your life. Whether that provision is emotional, relational, spiritual, sometimes even material and financial, right? Our salvation. Gets unlocked. It's already, Jesus already bought your salvation at the cross, but you unlock it, you receive it when you believe it. When you say, God, I, I, Jesus, I actually believe you're God. I actually believe you died for me. I actually uh, believe that you can forgive my sins. That's what unlocks the provision that's already there. And Noah's story shows us uh, that God has provision in our life that I, I believe is only unlocked through the key of bold faith. Not only provision, but destiny. I think about this. Today, thousands of years later, all around the world, Noah is known as what? The guy who built the ark. Now, if he had not obeyed God, I think we'd still see him in heaven, but we wouldn't know him all around the world. He would have missed out on his whole destiny. And so I want to encourage you in this series, and it's what God has been stirring in my heart, is just. Uh, to pray, God, would you give me a bold faith? Show me the areas of my life where, where I don't have faith or where my faith isn't bold. Show me where you want me to obey you like Noah did. Look at Genesis chapter 7. It says that uh, after these years of Noah building the ark, the waters started to rise. It finally does rain. People are scrambling. I'm, you know, they're getting up on the roofs of their homes, but the water keeps rising. Noah... Because he built an ark by faith, has this ark, and he's able to gather his family in there, and after the flood waters continue to rise, only Noah is left and those in the ark with him. See, Noah's obedience prepared him to experience God's promises, God's power. You know, God's promises, his provision, his power uh, they're what theologians call immutable, in other words. They're always there, just like the laws of physics, whether we like them or not, they're there. God's promises are true. His provisions are there. Whether or not we experience them has to do with our level of faith. Jesus often said in the Gospels, as you believe, so it will be done unto you. Well, in the year 2019, full year before COVID, uh, we unveiled to you all a bold faith vision called greater things. And we wanted to get financially prepared for any storms that might come about in life. We wanted to start an online ministry. We just believed that's where God was leading us. Now, this was all a full year before COVID. We didn't know that we would go through such a storm and that we would need an online ministry. But the point is, God gave us that vision, but if you all hadn't stepped up and committed to it and funded it, we wouldn't have had an ark. And I was in a leadership meeting as we were preparing for this series and just praying, God, give us wisdom to help us communicate what you've done these last two years. And Denise, who's on our leadership team, she said, it's kind of like this. We built an ark before the rain. And I thought, Denise, that's such a cool way to put it. I never would have worded it that way. I don't think I would have even connected those dots. But we've seen in story after story, and we'll unveil some of those to you today, how God used your faithfulness to save marriages, to bring people to salvation, to hold families together, to provide financially for families in need. Your faithfulness these last two years, it It not only kept us afloat as a church, but it allowed us to be an arc of stability where we could actually reach out to other people and invite them in and say, hey, we'll take care of you. We'll meet your needs. Gather with us. Give you just a few highlights of this. Since COVID-19 started, we've distributed 5,740 senior care bags. Now, these are for senior citizens, started with senior citizens in our church, Who were fully locked down and afraid to leave their homes. And many of them didn't have internet and they wanted to follow our messages. So we started putting our messages on CDs and DVDs and delivering them. And these bags would have goodies and little notes. And many of you volunteered to hand deliver these. And then the group kept growing beyond the senior citizens from our church family to other senior citizens here in central Indiana who just needed connection and community. You all as a church have delivered 5,740 of those bags. Uh, In 2020, we provided 2,483 meals for nurses, doctors, firefighters, others on the front lines of COVID-19. In the last 24 months, your generosity has been pooled and then redistributed out to provide for families in need, for medical bills, for our missionaries around the world, for community outreach, a total that you all have given of $1,410,000 to meet tangible needs in the name of Jesus. Can we celebrate that? Way to go, church. God gets the glory, but God is working through your faithfulness. Here's one of my favorite numbers. In the last 24 months, we've given away 1,713 copies of the Life Application Study Bible. I get so passionate about this. Yeah. I get so passionate about this because uh, it's this layout of God's word that has transformed my life. And by the way, if you're here and you don't have one yet, go to our connection corner or text the word Bible. You can look up anything you go through in life. Anything, shame, hurt, pain, rejection, and this Bible will take you to the promises of God for those areas of your life. And here's what I know every one of these 1,700 people who does that, it will change their life. Uh, Your Christian maturity depends on you reading the Word of God. And church, we're a movement that, you know, we're not just like handing out like really kind of like it's a Bible, but no one would read it kind of thing. We're giving people like the best. Because it's the word of God. We're giving the best to them, and 1,700 of them. Uh, But these numbers just scratch the surface of the significance of what God's doing through you. I want to show you what the ark that God built through you looks like for one of the many families in our community. Go ahead and take a look.
1: So when we first heard about the Greater Things Vision, we... uh... We were invited to a meeting. It was a, I remember it was a Sunday night meeting, and it was awesome. They rolled out this great vision of how the church, you know, number one, we really want to pay off the debt, and we were like, yeah, because we're all about paying off debt. So we thought that sounded that sounded great to us. And then the next part of the vision, obviously, was uh, the next generation. We have four kids, so we're like, oh, yeah, we, we're all in for doing things that are going to be great for, for our four kids and, and raising them in a godly environment and teaching them everything they need to know about God and church. And then the third part of it was the digital vision and we, we weren't crazy about that. And, and I remember we both left and thought, you know, uh, I don't think our church needs that. I actually own a small business. Uh, it's a personal training business. So we've been very blessed. The business does well. God has blessed us financially. Uh, and, and it's great because we help a lot of folks with what, with what we do.
2: I was, for the most part, a stay-at-home mom, but I also am in the military as a traditional guardsman. So I would work maybe one day a week, but got the joy of getting to you know, be the mom that was involved in school and volunteering a lot um, in the community. And then once COVID hit, I was activated to work full-time uh, for the COVID response. So my job since then has been to prepare the planning, testing, and um, you know, COVID vaccines throughout the state of Indiana. We had a little bit of a role reversal. I'm at home with
1: four kids. She's gone 14 hours a day, and I'm trying to figure out how to manage a business that's shut down, and then eventually how to open that business back up. So our world was completely rocked by COVID.
2: Everything that brings me the most joy was taken away. I wasn't getting to see my kids I wasn't getting to be there for some really important things for them. I was just hearing about it and I would come home and I would just get to hear about experiences that they had and I was so glad that for them their life was as normal as it could be and Bo was doing a wonderful job of providing for them and making their days fun and, and taking care of them but it wasn't me getting to do that. In addition to that, um, the stress I was dealing with and not really getting to talk about what I was doing at work and coming home and hearing the stress that Bo was going through with the business and, and taking care of the children, it was really, you know, tearing us apart. You know, we were not communicating, we were not in a healthy relationship at the time and staying connected and you know, for us, sitting down and watching church, although we sat kind of far apart on the couch we were connected, we were, we were enjoying that time together. Uh, it was giving us an opportunity to talk about something and it was keeping us committed to the, what we know is number one for us and that is our relationship with Jesus.
1: Well, we kind of figured out a routine. We have uh, two that watch the little kids service and two that watch the older kids service.
2: Seeing them and hearing them do church together and the connections that they have built made us so grateful for that Greater Things vision and that digital vision that was laid before us. There's always singing during theirs.
1: and We'll come down and we'll we'll put our church on and uh, all of a sudden we'll hear all four kids up there. They're singing, they're dancing, they're jumping around and we just look at each other and we smile and we're like, everything's gonna be okay because our kids are into it, we're into it, and, and it's like, you just feel like God's got this. We just need to trust him and, and everything is gonna be fine. You know, you have to always trust God. And, you know, when, there, when there's a need, there's a ministry, there's a vision that you feel like you're called to support. Uh, and you may not understand everything that's happening, and you'll never understand what God is doing behind the scenes. Uh, but when God calls you to give and support, that's what you do. You give and support and trust God, and, and He'll take care of the rest. And He's done that for us in this situation. We gave and supported, and, and we got back a thousand times more than we ever expected. Uh, this this has been our lifeline throughout the last year. It has, it has saved us.
0: I love that story, yeah. (laughs) You're just like Noah stepped out. That was Bo and Stephanie two years ago, right? Well, we know Jesus is the head of this church. We get these parts of the vision. We don't understand the other part, but we're just going to be faithful. Little did they know they were putting a down payment, more or less. They were providing to build the tools that would end up holding their family together. And I love it that they were faithful. I also love it that when their marriage was strained, I think all our marriages were strained during COVID, if we're honest. They kept being faithful to be connected to their local church every weekend. And the other thing I love about their story is, even if they had had that Noah-like faith and had kept doing the right thing by character, if they were alone in the world, they wouldn't have had that resource. It took all of us as a church to build the tools that kept that precious family together. And Bo and Stephanie's story, it's not an anomaly or an outlier or an exception. We know dozens of families who have have been held together through the crisis of the last year by the ark that God used you all to build. You know, you built the ark of God by faith. And again, just like Noah's story, God gets the credit. He gets the glory. But I want to just specifically acknowledge every single one of you who has given in the last two years, and especially those of you who made a commitment two years ago, and you put a jar on that wall, and you said, I'm going to prioritize God and my finances. Through your work, that ark, just like Noah's literal ark, was built. And through that work, God has held families together. He's reached others. You know, I've been in touch throughout this entire crisis uh, with other pastors here in central Indiana. And here's where we're at right now on physical attendance. This isn't just true for us. This is true of every other dynamic church that I'm connected to in the area. Since Easter, we're all between 60 and 70% of the amount of people who were here before COVID. Uh, that's about where we are, and that's, that's where the others are as well. Now, the difference for us is that we're not just here. The difference for us is that digitally, we know the thousands of people who view online, we know for many of them, their phone number, their email, their name. Even the ones we don't know that, we know their IP address, creepy, but we do. (laughs) And so when we add in those who are still with us online and those who've joined us online, Uh, We're not at 65% of where we were before COVID. We're not at 100% of where we were before COVID. We're at 120%. We're coming out of a global crisis where churches were shut down for half a year and we're a larger movement of God than before. Only God could do that. And God did do it through all of you who faithfully served, who faithfully given, who faithfully prayed. You know, uh, many of these people in this 120% are here in uh, Hendricks County, all the way over to Fishers and Carmel, and it extends out through central Indiana. We've got a lot of rural viewers, but I love it that we've also got people far beyond central Indiana. In the last 24 months, our online services have been viewed. These are by real people, not like computer machines or robots or something. These are real people in 48 states and 20 countries. Now, you guys, if you know me well, you know exactly what I'm wondering. What are the two states where people haven't watched? It's Alaska and Vermont. So if you know anyone, if you know anyone in Alaska or Vermont, send them a link because they clearly need Jesus in those states. (laughs) But check out, check out this uh, list of some of these 20 countries where people have watched. Many of these are regular viewers, Paraguay, Philippines, Russia, South Korea, Japan, Ireland. I mean, God is using us now while we're still supporting our 26 physical missionaries in countries around the world. God's using us through the internet in countries that we weren't even in uh, prior to the greater things vision. And that's our weekend services. But part of the greater things vision was we wanted to help people follow Jesus on their phones one day at a time. Uh, So one of the things that we were already working on before COVID was a daily video devotional. It's just a minute or two. It's called Daily Hope. But the idea is that every morning when someone's driving to work or getting ready for their day, they can just have this quick connection to their local church and to Jesus. Well, We're now up to 3,380 subscribers who who get that every day texted to them. And we've been doing it now for 400 some days. So if you go 445 days times our number of subscribers, that's 1,504,100 of these text messages of these video devotional links that have been sent out. It's just an incredible uh, way that God has of multiplying what we're doing. And, And I would just say this, if I ever look tired... It's because I'm like flying through the air to all these <laughs> cell phones, apparently. Let me show you some faces of what God is doing, especially here in the last two years. This is our lighthouse ministry uh, to kids and students who have special needs. And it's a ministry to them through occupational therapists and other trained volunteers we have in our church, but it's especially a ministry to their parents. Uh, because many of these parents, they just never get a break, but they're now able to come to Connection Point on our campus and know that their children are, are being taken care of and ministered to while they come in here and receive the word of God. Robbie, who we sent out from our church as a missionary ministering to Muslim refugees. Uh, Zach and Haley Baker, who grew up in our kids ministry and our student ministry, who we commissioned and sent off in January as missionaries. Neely, who also grew up here, who's now a missionary in Guatemala. Al Jr., uh, who walked in here, trusted in Jesus, was baptized here in August, is in a small group and is growing. Uh, Kevin Byron, the local firefighter, who you all rallied around to pray for his healing to provide financially. And then after we provided, Jimmy Kimmel Live Show ended up matching our gifts. Uh, Christmas Eve service, just Being back together as we're able, those of us who are able to get back in the building. And lest we forget, when the pandemic was at its worst and things were really locked down, we were doing a a weekday, weeknight worship online every single week, as well as an online time of prayer. Again, these are just highlights, but it's this uh, mosaic of how God has been working through you these last two years. Well, are you guys ready for the biggest number of them all? Uh, This number has to do with this incredible facility that God has entrusted to us. And part of the vision of Greater Things was we want to take excellent care of this facility. So we wanted to pay down the mortgage on it. Now, don't panic when you hear the word mortgage. It's a lot like the mortgage on your house. Uh, It's not an unhealthy amount of a mortgage. But we wanted to pay it down. And uh, this actually started before greater things. When I was interviewing with the elders and we were praying about vision, I, I just let them know that, you know, I would love to see us get that number down of what the mortgage amount is. So uh, from that day until now, through all of your collective generosity, uh, we've paid down four million dollars, 525,000 on the mortgage of this facility. Should we celebrate that? It's incredible. Now, I I know if you're new to church, you're like, why millions of dollars? I'm a skeptic by nature. When I was a journalist, I started attending a church in Scottsdale, Arizona, and they were doing a $20 million building campaign. And I was like, that is so much money. That's crazy. What are they doing? I didn't understand big buildings and how much they cost. Uh, Now I do, and I know that this building here, this building with all the different additions throughout the years is about a $38 million to build all of this. Our mortgage is down to a tiny fraction of that now, and I just want to put into perspective for you the healthy position that we're in because of your faithfulness. So our, our really ambitious goal was let's pay off the debt completely in five years. We're, I don't know if we're going to meet that. We, we aren't on track to yet, but here's what we've been able to do. Because mortgage rates are like incredibly low right now, we had two different loans that would both refinance somewhere in the mid-2020s. Who knows what interest rates will be then? We've been able to refinance both of those into one loan. It's a 15-year mortgage, just like if you had a 15-year mortgage on your house. It's a fixed rate at about the rate that you'd get on a house today. And so our payment will never go up. And after those 15 years, our balance will be really close to zero. And I want to just give you a sense of the kind of comfortable position we're in now. Not comfortable so we can coast, but so we can keep focusing on maximizing ministry. All right, just bear with me real quick. I want you to imagine you make 60000 a year. That's your whole household income. And I want you to imagine that you live in a house that's valued at $250,000. Uh, but you own, you have home equity of $190,000. So your mortgage is only $60,000. Uh, I did the math on this with the interest rate we have. That would make your mortgage payment on $60,000 a year, your mortgage payment would be $280 a month. Pretty affordable, right? You're in a pretty good position. That's where we are now because of your faithfulness. Because, yeah, it's incredible. God's so good. And so, you know, while we'll, we'll probably keep throwing in some extra payments here and there so that when we get to the year 15, it's at zero, that's our hope. But whether or not we do that, we're in a position now um, where no matter what happens in the world, we're just financially very sustainable. Because our end-of-the-day goal isn't zero dollars of mortgage debt. Our end-of-the-day goal is how many people can we reach for Jesus? So, amen. Yeah. So... We're now at a place where the mortgage is just real comfortable and we can just be focused 100% on reaching people for Jesus. Well, what's next? You could put it this way. We built an ark before the rain. God gets the glory for that. You all get the thanks for your faithfulness. What are we going to do now? Now we're going to maximize the ministries that we have. Every individual believer, from Alan Jr., who's a new believer in the last couple years, to those of us who've been believers for decades, we're going to maximize each of us knowing our spiritual gifts, serving God. We're going to maximize the ministries that are here, Kids City, student ministry. We want everything we're doing here to just be as better and better as it can possibly be. I know that wasn't grammatically correct, but we want to make it better so we can reach more people for Jesus. We're just going to keep... Maximizing, and we have this belief based on the teachings of Jesus faithful with little, faithful with much. We've been faithful with what He's given, and He's multiplied it to an extent. I believe as we stay faithful to maximize what He has given us, that in time He will multiply it. And what I mean by that is we'll have new believers bringing other people to salvation. Uh, And in time, I think as we're faithful with this facility, perhaps God will multiply and we'll have other physical locations around central Indiana. We don't have a timeline for that. We don't have some artificial, you know, this year we're going to go to this city. We're just going to be faithful here. We're going to let God grow us here till we're bursting at the seams again. And then we'll follow the spirit of God as he provides and moves. So we're calling all of this momentum. We have incredible momentum of what God has done in the last two years. And what I'm proposing as a leader and what I'm choosing is when you have momentum, there's a temptation to coast, but we're not going to coast. We're going to go pedal to the metal for the kingdom of God. Okay, <laughs> now, Now's no time to coast. Yesterday's faithfulness produced these successes, but now's the time for us to invest in tomorrow's successes for the kingdom of God. So there's three components to momentum. I'm not going to preach them today. I I promise I will try to not preach them today. I'm just going to unveil them today. I'll preach them in the next three weeks. The first is we're going to raise the strongest generation. If you were here for greater things, this is verbatim. These three components are really the greater things vision kind of refreshed 2.0 for what we've learned in the last two years and where we see us going. What have we learned in the last year? The world our kids and grandkids will inherit is an unstable, divided, combustible world where it's very difficult to live for Jesus. And so while we have an incredible kids and students ministry, um, we are doubling down. This is the center of our vision to say we want to help every child and student in our church be prepared for the world that they're going to live in. And I'll uh, give you a little bit of good news and show you what this looks like. In the last two years, we've gotten to teach about Jesus to 3,300 and, uh, sorry, 3,038 kids and students and building a foundation for them. We're going to keep doing what we're doing in Kids City and Student Ministry. But we want to add on something that, for lack of a better word, we're calling it worldview training. Worldview training is helping the young people in our church Be prepared for the moral, cultural, and intellectual issues that they'll face in their lifetime. It's preparing them so that if they get to college and their professor says, oh, you're a Christian? You're one of those ignorant, bigoted, backwards, closed-minded people. That they're not like, whoa, what do you mean? But that they're prepared for that. They have an answer for their faith. They have a community to uphold them in their faith. And they've been trained where to look when they don't know the answer for their faith. So, yeah, let's do that. <laughs> Thank you, guys. You guys are, I love it. You're super encouraging. Um, here's, here's a picture of Ethan. Ethan is, is one of our students right now in, in our Brownsburg Public Schools here. And Ethan's mom was telling me this last week that in his class, He keeps telling all his friends that Jesus loves them and wants to be their forever friend. Uh, That's language from our kid's city, from what he's being taught. Well, Ethan has a classmate who's from a non-believing home, and the classmate keeps telling him Jesus isn't real. And I love it because this is exactly why we're here, right? To be missionaries. And so Ethan just keeps telling his friend, even if you don't believe in Jesus, he loves you and he still wants to be your forever friend. Now, I just want you to imagine Ethan. He's got this vibrant faith as a kindergartner, and I want you to imagine him when he's a middle school student, and he's still saying that, but his friends have other responses. And then he's in high school, and he's still saying that, but his friends have other responses, and then he gets to college. Here's the thing. Nationwide right now, two out of three people raised in Christian homes turn away from the faith between their 18th birthday and their 29th. That's the national trend. Our goal with Raise the Strongest Generation is to end that trend starting in Indiana and then, Lord willing, a movement that spreads beyond. So where we used to say that for us, Raise the Strongest Generation is an 18-year process. For every baby that's born, it's 18 years. We're now gonna start to see it as a 29-year process. And, And we're gonna create a worldview training center. It's not additional square footage. We've got enough square footage. It's experiences and curriculum and training and conversations. Uh, For example, uh, bringing in PhD scientists who are believers to say to our middle and high school students, hey, science and the Bible, do they contradict? Ask us anything. Bring us your questions. Bring us your concerns. And that as our kids are, are growing up in a world of just so many competing ideas, they've got a safe place to ask their questions, to find biblical answers. Um, And then that we will track with them through their college years all the way to age 29. So like with Ethan, you know, we got about 24 years to go for Ethan. For this next generation worldview training initiative, we already have cash in the bank through your giving $650,000 that is set aside for us to launch this. Uh, We're going to hire a a director who's specifically over this, who will work with our other staff and volunteers. There's going to be all sorts of initiatives you guys will see unveiled. It'll take us a couple years to get this fully built out, Uh, but some of the things we envision are things like our college students who go off to college and they're in love with Jesus. What if they could come back here in the summer, have a summer job where they get paid the same as crew car wash, but all summer long, they're with other college students here, and they're actually teaching the Bible throughout the summer to our 6th to 12th graders. Uh, These are the kind of things we envision so that then we just journey with our young people all the way to their 29th birthday. Uh, Faithful, continued giving will allow us to maintain and then maximize these ministries that God is doing. And so, you know, if you were here back during greater things, you might remember we handed out cards and we asked you to write down, you know, what do you commit to give? With momentum, uh, we're, not, we're not doing that. With momentum, it's more just me saying as a leader, would you, would you pray about if you're already giving, continuing to give at the level you're giving? Or maybe asking God if he wants you to do more. If you're not yet with us, would you pray about joining us? Uh, If money weirds you out, money in church, I get that. I was there at one point. Would you at least start serving? Would you move to the middle of of this disciple-making movement that God has and just really be part of it? That's what we're asking you. So the second component is we're going to amplify Jesus online and globally. And again, I'll unpack this in future weeks, but it means we're going to keep building out what we're doing online, and we're going to keep supporting globally the 26 missionaries that we already support, as well as continuing to raise a generation who, Lord willing, will go out as missionaries. Third thing is this, we're going to maximize and multiply Jesus' followers or disciples and, in God's time, gatherings as well. Uh, what we learned during the pandemic is that people need physical gatherings. Um, yeah, we, yeah, that's right, we do. And, you know, that's the New Testament, is that we're to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Now, we've learned, if you think of a bell curve where, you know, here's kind of like the average in the middle, and there's people of extremes on each end, uh, there are people over here who are fully online with us who will probably never set foot in this building, who have trusted in Jesus. They're in an online small group, and they're like, what do you guys mean, campuses? I'm good over here. We're gonna keep ministering to them. And then we've got m- most people in the middle here who are like, man, I love being in the building, but the online tools help me. And then we've got people over here who are like, being in the building or just being physically together is everything. I don't even understand online. It'll never be for me, okay? That's great. It, God uses all of us, and we're ministering to the whole bell curve And so the point is this, we're going to keep doing online well, but we're going to maximize this facility in every ministry that's here. It's not either or, it's both and. And we're just going to keep maximizing what God's doing here. And I just have this belief, bear with me guys. God called me here three and a half years ago for what I felt was a 30 year calling to central Indiana. So I'm three and a half years in and I know this church will outlive me. It'll outlive all of us unless Christ returns before then. Um, We have 27 years to go uh, in this season, this kind of generation of ministry, if you will. I just have this belief that as we stay faithful here, uh, I think when I'm 65 and pass the baton to the next generation, um, I I, I just have this vision that we're going to have physical gatherings all around central Indiana. That we're going to have a generation who are warriors of grace and truth, who are living for Jesus. And these middle school students and high school students who we train, they're going to be our future pastors and elders and leaders. Uh, And and, yeah. (laughs) So let me show you a picture from World War II that to me, these are two pictures I have up by my office because World War II was this epic struggle between good and evil. I mean, you don't get more evil than what Nazi Germany was doing with the concentration camps and the Holocaust. And uh, the United States and the other allied nations who worked together to defeat that evil, it required all sorts of people doing all sorts of different roles. Uh, People in factory assembly lines who were building the machinery. It required the ground troops who were in the mud, physically on the ground, but it also required the Air Force That would go in and clear the way for the ground troops. And uh, in a lot of ways, I view what we're doing online as the Air Force. And what we're doing uh, with our discipleship, our small groups, the physical gatherings. And we need them both. The point is this. I believe God has a lot of territory for us to take for the kingdom of God. We've taken territory, but we're going to take more. We're going to have more and more families set free from addiction. More and more marriages rescued. More and more souls saved. More and more young people raised up to be warriors of grace and truth, and for it to work, I believe we each have a role to play with bold faith. And so that's my invitation to you today, is would you just uh, surrender or invite God here in the month of May to just stir up a bold faith in you? And would you ask him to reveal to you what is your role to play? Maybe you'll end up being a mentor to one of our young people as we raise the next generation. Maybe he has a oh, area for you to serve in. Uh, for all of us, I believe we're called to prioritize the work of God uh, in our finances, and that's a step. You know, you might start at twenty-five dollars a month, or you might get to where you're like, man, I'm actually tithing ten percent of my income. That's that's a journey. But will you take your next step in that journey? So you saw in the lobby, what was the greater things wall is is now the momentum wall. And the reason we did this is we want to honor these jars, more than a thousand of these jars of those of you who two years ago, you made a commitment and we're here today because of you. That jar stays up there. We're not going to forget that foundation. We're going to build on it. And so if you're here and you're giving, I would just say thank you today. And I would just invite you to uh, be led by the spirit of God. We're not going to ask you to write down a number for this next season in our church, but we'll ask you to uh, genuinely go to God and say, God, what would you have us keep doing? I mentioned for me and Mel, um, we were tithing. So 10% of our pre-tax income before greater things. With greater things, God led us to increase that by 50%. We're now used to living. Uh, with, you know, on 85% of our income. And so we're just going to keep doing that. But wherever you're at, if you've been with us, would you pray about God? What do you want us to do? And then if you're here and you're new or you haven't financially been part of it, we'd invite you to join those of us who do have a jar on the wall. Uh, You can uh, fill up this last panel. We've got a panel just for you, because we know there's a lot of new people in the last two years, and we also know maybe you were here two years ago, and you were like, "Eh, kind of wait and see how this all works out. you know. If that was the case, you can text the word join, or you can go out in the lobby. Uh, And again, the month of May, we'll just be praying and asking God, give us a bold faith. Let me give you guys one more verse. Promise not to fully preach it, okay? We'll unpack it next week, but in Joshua 1. God is talking to Joshua, who I relate to, because he followed a guy named Moses, who was kind of a big deal. And I followed a guy here who was a big deal spiritually. But what God says to Joshua is, I will give you every place you set your foot. And he says, just as I was with Moses, I'll be with you. And here's the thing. The work of Jesus is alive in our time. And God has been stirring my heart to have a bolder faith, a faith that says, what if I actually believed that everywhere I set foot and claimed it for the kingdom of God, that God would do it? Because just like Noah, God says, I've got a plan for you, but you've got to build the ark. He says to the people of God here, I've got a promised land for you, but you've got to cross the Jordan River. You've got to face some giants. And so what I've been praying, and I would just ask you to pray with me, is just, God, would you stir up a bold faith that we'll cross whatever rivers you have for us, that we'll have a faith that unlocks your provision and your destiny for us. Let's pray that together right now. Father, in this place, I just want to thank you, Lord. You've been so good. Your people have been so faithful. God, I'm humbled that I get to be uh, right in the middle of a vibrant, living breathing movement of your faithful people in this world today. God, our neighbors, they need Jesus more than ever. Our kids growing up and our grandkids, they need you more than ever. And so, Lord, we just would invite you to stir up a bold faith in us. We invite you to just lead us, Lord. Show us what you'd have us to do. Show us our role in the larger body of Christ. Jesus, as we keep you our head, your word our guide, Holy Spirit, would you just continue to be fanned into flame that we would be a movement that multiplies disciples and trains them up, that maximizes the next generation. And Lord, that this movement of yours spreading from Brownsburg out through Hendricks County would uh, would someday just overtake all of central Indiana, that this lighthouse in the storm of this world would just shine brighter and brighter and cover more and more territory of lives being set free and saved by your grace and through your power. We pray it all in Jesus' name, amen.